welcome to My Bloody Horrorcast. This is Steph. And I'm Carrie. We're here to talk about some horror movies with you today, both uh, stuff we've seen recently, and we're also talking about family horror. Yeah, um, it was kind of hard to limit it down. Also, it was hard to watch the same movies. It was, it was. <laughs> it's tough. You know, we have a lot of movies that we each need to watch during the week, and so sometimes... It's hard to get the same ones done. But here we are with episode nine. I know, I know. Thank you for uh, sticking with us through nine episodes now. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. We, we, we never knew we'd be here a year ago. So there's a lot. There's an overwhelming amount of family horror, as you said. Yes. It's hard to limit it down. But, you know, it's all, it's universal because what family doesn't have some horror in it? So, you know, it's something <laughs> we can all identify with in, in one way or another. Um so, uh, but before we get into that, I guess we can go over uh, some of the things we've seen recently. I had a pretty um, poor horror movie viewing week, so Steph, it might be up to you. Oh, um, well, I didn't watch too much. I finished, since we last recorded, watching Twin Peaks The Return. Mm, mm-hmm. At first, the finale was a little disappointing. I feel like it goes kind of in the lost territory, but I ended up really liking it the more I thought about it. And I think the return as a whole works really well. I, I, I don't think I could have asked for more from it coming back. Um, I loved it. Yes. Um, Dale Cooper is just a symbol of goodness in the world. And then I also watched it. I did like it, but I, I think my expectations did get a little blown up because it had like a high score on Rotten Tomatoes. It seems like everybody was pleased with it. A bunch of people who aren't horror fans were really excited about it. Um, and though it's really well done, and I like the way they handle things for it being like kind of a pop mainstream mm-hmm. horror piece, and it's dealing with all sorts of things like abuse and some really dark stuff, it does it well. And I, I don't hate the CG, but I will say the more you see of Pennywise the Dancing Clown, the less creepy he is. And when you finally get to the very end, I don't know. I'm glad they moved it up to the 80s. I like a lot of things about it. I would still recommend it to everybody, but um, it just didn't blow me away the way it did other people. So if you compare Pennywise in the new It to the Pennywise in the 1990 miniseries, I think who did the better Pennywise? It's tough to say. They're actually really different. They both do a great job. I think Tim Curry scared me more because he's... Maybe because it hit me at the right time when I was a kid. Same here, yeah. I mean, because I, I, Tim Curry, like, that absolutely just terrified me the first time I saw that. Rewatching um, the miniseries, it is not scary, and it's very long, and the spider is not good. But um, I, I, I like the things that, is it Bill Skarsgård as the new? I think that's it. right. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. The voice was really good. Some of the some of the moves, though enhanced heavily by CG, were pretty good. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I had a friend who said, when you first see him, he's very creepy, but then he's just progressively more confusing, and I kind of felt that way. <laughs> I think that's the problem about giving away a villain that's so built up like that too early in the mm-hmm. movie and maybe that maybe it suffered from that a little bit overexposure yeah also like fuck trailers why did they show so much of that movie in that trailer that you see ahead of like every movie if you go regularly trailers so. are the worst yeah. the worst hollywood we're talking to you <laughs> <laughs> keep some suspense out there God i know sake. 
Um, but yeah, did you watch anything you wanted to talk about? Well, we are going to talk about one thing I watched this week. Yes. So I, I did. We uh, we had movie night, Steph and I and Dean. Uh, we watched um, Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. That's going to be part of our family horror today, and, and you know, kind of worked out really nicely for this episode. Yeah, and I mean, largely when you think of families in horror, you think this is just about sisters, but there's an excellent mom in Ginger Snaps as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I mean, you know, there there's a lot of uh, comparisons you could throw in with Carrie in a way. Oh, um, yes. To Ginger Snaps, uh, among a myriad of other films, but I, I thought it had um, it was almost like a less a less bonkers carry with a totally different creature, totally different, you know, monster, if you will. Do you want to just start unquote. with Ginger Snaps? Shall we? Okay. Let's yeah. do it. All right. So, family horror. We have a few good ones for you spanning the, the decades, but uh, Ginger Snaps, so uh, 2000, I believe, right? When mm-hmm. it came out originally? Yeah. Okay. Could could easily be in the 90s. Totally, yeah, right, right. Canada's always, you know, a few years behind. (laughs) Oh, we love you, Canada, just kidding. Uh, R.I.P. Bob Clark. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's, um, so Steph's been talking about Ginger Snaps for a while. Yeah, Ginger Snaps is one of my favorite movies. Um, I saw it kind of towards the end of high school, and I'm just like, yes, it's everything I want in a movie. I, I believe it is the last awesome werewolf movie to be made. Can't we, think of anyone that's come afterwards that I've enjoyed half as much. We had a, a pretty long, at least a three to four minute brainstorming session about werewolf movies of post, uh, I guess post 2000. I, I couldn't think of any good ones. It's a fucking desert. There's... It is. I mean, wh- I mean, when the Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro is maybe the best one we could think of, it's not a good sign. No, and I mean, so many of the details of that movie have faded for me. Oh yeah, I'd so... have to go back and watch. You know, maybe we should one night... One night I might have to go back and watch it. I don't know if I can find them like some kind of free. <laughs> so then I might watch it again. Uh, but yeah, Cursed by we- by Wes Craven, which I didn't even you know deem worth watching. No. American Werewolf from Paris, oh. uh, which is terrible. Yeah, there's really actually I guess that was before that was pre Ginger Snaps. Either way though, and not... we talked about we we both watched um, Late Phases. Yeah, I thought it was a good concept, but I wasn't really a fan of the movie itself. I agree with you. It. You get a sense of what it could have been. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't that. Yeah, no. Great, great title, too. Yeah, yeah. The title, <laughs> titles would drew me in. It was great, yeah. So, so yeah, this is this is an excellent family horror and werewolf movie. It's a twofer. Would have been a good high school horror, too. Would have been a great high school horror as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's low budget in, in the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got great performances from the two leads. And great characters that they're playing. It's mm-hmm. it's a very feminist movie, and it's absolutely fun. It is. It's great. It's uh, it's it's always nice to see sort of female driven horror. Though the director is male, and I was looking him up. But the I'm writer, like, the writer and the uh, Karen Walton, oh, really? who uh, did the story with John Fawcett, and nice. then she wrote the screenplay. So you've got you've still got a strong female presence in the creation oh, of cool. it too. Oh, cool! I didn't yeah. look up the writer. I feel bad. <laughs> no. But um, I was looking up John Fawcett's other stuff, and the other TV he's directed, um, I don't know what other movies, but he did Xena and Orphan Black, so clearly he's like into doing projects that feature strong women. And he is one of the key creators of Black of uh, Orphan Black. Oh god, it's so good. Yeah, so, so no, this guy, this guy um, is really, I mean, obviously he's been around the industry for a while, but it sounds like, I feel like Orphan Black is probably his big, his biggest thing that he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the two leads, Catherine Isabel as the slightly older and slightly wilder 
of these two sort of outcast sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Emily Perkins as the more, um, she, she's she's definitely, you know, she's not the outgoing one. She's uh, she's unsure of herself, you know, all these things. You know, she hasn't hit puberty yet. Um, she's, oh, speaking of puberty. So a while ago, I told Carrie I thought it'd be great if we did period movies because, like you said, this, is, this has some tie-ins to Carrie. But I love, I felt that these girls avoided or postponed their first periods by sheer will of being outsiders. Yeah, because they're what? Aren't they like 15 at the time of the movies? Yeah, like 15 and 16 or so. Yeah, yeah, they're in high school. It's like they just refuse to be normal to the point that they physically refuse to be normal. (laughs) Yeah, they have a lot. There's a lot of innate powers that they have. They might be superheroes for all we know. Um, They're great. Both of them are great. They play the roles very well. You know, Catherine is the one who has probably the most overt change, or excuse me, um, Ginger yes. is the one who has the most overt change. Obviously, it's in you know in the title, but um, but they both are are really good at sort of navigating this uh, this sort of coming of age time in their lives, and um, it's pretty compelling. Yeah, and I like how their roles kind of shift because you sort of get the impression that Ginger is kind of the protector mm-hmm. of Bridget at the beginning and at the end, like Bridget's trying to get all this shit sorted out and trying to save her sister. And she's out of, once Ginger's out of control, Bridget, you know, Bridget has to come back, yeah, and and, and be the mature one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's very, and yeah, uh, Mimi Rogers is the mom. I think as we were mentioning. Greatest mom. I love her so much. Um, She's like made it her mission in life to be nonstop upbeat. Yes. (laughs) Yes. She reminds, I mean, here's a movie that takes place in 2000, but yet she reminds you, I think they're sort of playing with that 50s mom. uh, Yeah. She's always smiling. Everything's okay. You know. Yeah. She's like an ultimate maternal role. Right. We're all going to get through it fine. Whereas things, of course, are not fine. Um but it's almost, it's that to a near manic level oh. of we're going to be okay. Yeah, she's putting like severed fingers in Tupperware. She's talking about starting over in a new town. She's like, we'll just light a match. We'll go. And yeah. then it's like, what about dad? She's like, he'll just blame me anyway. <laughs> no, she's completely off her rocker, but I love how they they keep it so subtle in her character. Yeah, it's, uh... her wardrobe and her curls, like everything mm-hmm. about her is perfect. No, it's great. And then the actor that you said you can, Chris Lemke is Sam is really is the I don't know why. Uh, is their weed dealer. Right? Don't like that actor <laughs> nor this character. <laughs> he's he seems to be the most. I mean, this dude has an entire greenhouse. First of all, I don't know how he gets away with it. Um, yeah. His entire greenhouse, and then he throws like all these awesome parties for all the high school kids. Drives a van around. It's a very strange character. But then he's kind of like grouchy. He's just like, I'm just in the back, like measuring out my drugs. Why is there a party here at my home that I invited everybody? Yeah, he's to? hosting this party. He's not even there. I don't understand. Yeah, to me, he's just like a grumpy, like Christian Slater. He, he really is. <laughs> Didn't like. He's like him. 16, going on 50. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no this this movie is great. It's a great werewolf movie too. I mean, we you know you and I were talking this week though. Um, maybe one of the reasons. That where that you don't see a lot of werewolf movies right now is that the effects from some of the early '80s werewolf films, like the first werewolf films that truly figured out how to show the morphing from human into lycanthrope, mm-hmm. um, you know, with without digital effects, without the aid of digital effects, maybe it's hard to really capitalize on that because I've seen in like the underworld movies, yeah, the you know the werewolf transformations, and they just 
they look terrible compared to Howling or American Werewolf in London. And it's hard to do that, too, because Ginger Snaps is by no means perfect. No, the effects are, the effects are you know, on par for a low-budget film. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that they're practical. I think the I makeup's do. cool, and it works within the mood and tone of that movie. When you watch something like Underworld, even with amazing actors like Michael Sheen, it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Underworld uh, is so serious. Right. And I, th- I think that's a problem with, you know, it's, it's sort of the, this ham-fisted writing that has to be, you know, we got to play this straight. When really you should be having fun with that stuff. It's ridiculous anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this movie this movie has some moments too. It does. It's serious, but it also has some playful moments. It has fun. Um, it's uh, and what I liked about it too is you don't see much of the werewolf until the end. Yeah. Really, it's just it's just snapshots before that. Yeah, the werewolf attack I thought was done really really well. It's really well, yeah. I thought. I mean, I you know I I think about filmmaker friends of mine, low budget filmmakers. And that are into horror, and I'm thinking, watch what they do in that first scene, mm-hmm. because you just see clips, you know, you see shadows, you see uh, shapes. Um, they hold off until the end for the actual full, full-on reveal of the uh, of the werewolf. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. Did you any other favorite parts or anything else to say? Well, I mean, I uh, I, I just I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Not that I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought I was going to like it. I mean, we have pretty similar tastes. Usually when you say something is a, you know, is a great film, I, I, I tend to agree with you. But I was just surprised that I had never seen it. Yeah. I mean, it's been out for 17 years. I've never seen this film. And I was I, surprised you'd never seen it. I know. So now I've, I guess I need to see Ginger Snaps back. Ginger Snaps 2 Unleashed. <laughs> Ginger, Ginger. Oh, wait, wait. It is Snaps Back. It's not, yeah. I think it's Snaps Back first and then Unleashed. Beginning. Beginning. Yeah. Where you said they go back in time, is that? Yeah, and I had looked that up. They came out the same year, so I think they must have been filmed like right after hmm. one another. I remember really loving the sequel, but I have not seen it as much as the first Ginger Snap. So, well, the sequel got really good reviews, actually. If you look, if you read the uh, IMDb reviews, um, yeah. a lot of people say that this is one of the you know one of those sequels where you're you're not losing a lot from the first one. And I want to say the Ginger Snaps movie aren't. All fun, like they're like real stakes and like emotional, like intensity, and it's it's just it's got really good characters, which I think carry the carry the series. Even even the last one, which I do not remember liking, I still think it was sort of worth it. Yeah, no, it's a great one. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say one more thing. Um, warning: there are a lot of dog deaths in Ginger Snaps. Okay, that's <laughs> that should be talked about. True, that the it, the movie starts out. With a dog death. Mm-hmm. Like the first image you see in the film. If you're a dog in that movie, werewolf or regular household canine, you're not going to live. Werewolf is the apex predator in that film for all creatures. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you got no chance if you're a dog you know, in a yard or, or tied to a, yeah. you know, a stake in a yard there are or something. There are dogs like that. dying Done. on screen. There are dogs dying off screen. Like that one dude who gets infected, he's like, I ate my dog last night. And I'm like, really? You too? So. Right. It, no, it's, it's, it's really disturbing in that way. Agreed. So, yeah, just be, yeah, that's a good warning. Thank you, Steph, for that. <laughs> something that people need to know what they're walking into with this one. <laughs> but yeah, it's but it's worth it. I think again, if you're a horror fan, it's absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of family, though, 
it's a dysfunctional family, kind of in a normal dysfunctional way, until the supernatural comes into play. Right. I mean, who doesn't hate, you know, middle school through the beginning of high school? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a terrible time in Worst everyone's time life. Worst time in your life. Worst time in your life. So, you know, there's something universal, whether, you know, whether it's sisters or brothers, what have you. Um, also, was, you know, what's kind of interesting, too, is I think when you have siblings that are so close in age, there's always going to be, there, there's that that tightness mm-hmm. because you are going through things together generally in the same time frame you're within a year or two of each yeah. other but there's also a certain level of competition I've seen that in both both people I know who are sisters and brothers so that competition can get really really intense and, the, and, and it, that mm-hmm. does play out in this film too I always think that's interesting sort of uh, the relationship of, of siblings who are close in age like that I felt like it was kind of a one-sided competition like Bridget is not really competing, but Ginger's kind of asserting herself as she goes through a transformation. Ginger's asserting herself, but I think, um, well, Ginger's the one who uh, voices these issues or, or speaks mm-hmm. on the fact that there's an issue. But I do think that Bridget is, um, I think when she is tracking her and trying to do the research, that is her sort of, mm. her, her like trying to step up and into a different role. Well, there's no doubt that, though, Ginger's the one who's physically having a giant change. Yeah. Um, Bridget's kind of the one who grows up. She probably grows up more. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had a they had a joking suicide pact as best friend sisters. They and did. It's like, you know what? Maybe I'm not into that. <laughs> In fact, that's a great... It's it's a really, really creative and interesting open credits scene. Um, um, open the oh, title I sequence love in the beginning. it. All of mm-hmm. their deaths. And what a great example of just like practical effect violence. Right, right, right. All right. So there we go on that one. Do you want to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Tale of Two Sisters? Let's do Texas Chainsaw Massacre first, and then we'll go into it because we each have not seen all of Parents and Tale of Two Sisters. So, right. So we'll start with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, I mean, you have, you know, R.I.P. Toby Hooper, 2017. Oh, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. So you've got, I mean, one of the most influential horror films of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, everybody knows about the film. So as much as it is a classic uh, 70s you know, serial killer, uh, kind of pretty original for its time film. It's a, it's a family horror film. It truly is. It really, <laughs> and as the, it, what's interesting about it too is as the series continues, you get to two and then really into, particularly in three and four, the family becomes the focal point. I don't know which ones I've seen. Which is the one where they're like stalking the disc jockey? That's two. Okay, I've so, seen that one. So 12 years after the original one, Toby Hooper direct, finally got uh, part two released. Nearly had an X rating. Had the MPA just tore it to shreds. He really had to get it down. But, but yeah, two really focuses on the family a mm-hmm. lot more. Yeah, um, they like have names all of a sudden. They do. It's a very elaborate layer in the second <laughs> one too at the end. That's actually, there are some really fun scenes as they kind of try, as the surviving characters try to navigate that um, the little torture chamber, chamber of horrors. Um, but yeah, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is uh, is really about this backwoods family. Yes, um, um, probably the most demented family I can think of put on film, like pre-Rob Zombie, because that really just harkens back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, everything Zombie does, I think, is almost an in- influence from from that. Probably Last House of the Left, but particularly Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because mm-hmm. he likes to show monsters in his films, not just people. Yeah. Standardly. 
they're like crazy idiots, murderers, grave robbers, also barbecue business owners. Yes, they are. <laughs> well, House of a Thousand Corpses, yeah, for for sure. Yeah. Actually, just going back to that, yeah, they um they they definitely uh you know they're they're catching uh, catching dinner through the film. <laughs> this is my first time rewatching it in years, like maybe. A decade or so. Really? And there's some things that just creeped me out and I didn't question when I watched it the first time. And now that I'm rewatching it, I'm just like, what are these like human bone, chicken feather things, skin things? Like, are they just decorating their home? Are they like freaky altars? And I'm just like, yeah, it's 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 an interesting family. I mean, they're um they're dead body part arts and crafting together, so there's some bond between them. There's love there. There's a lot of love between that family. There's also a lot of hate, death, murder, but there also humiliation. is humiliation, <laughs> degradation, well, all the Asians. But there's there really there also is uh, there's there's some togetherness, and um, obviously this family really, you know, they they love each other in their own sick twisted way. Um, they're not not a fan of outsiders. No, I mean they're a fan of. Killing outsiders. <laughs> they're been eating outsiders. Yeah, they're down, totally down with that. But they're not going to invite you over for dinner unless you are dinner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that. Those are some of the most interesting scenes. I mean, I think personally, the first time that you see Leatherface when um, the guy walks in the house is one of the great moments in horror There's in the history. There's no build up. Nope. It's just like open, clocked on the head with a sledgehammer. It's as terrifying as you will ever see. In any film, I think, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, scene. Not in. In what's funny is there's no gore in that scene. There's gore later. That's but There's true. no gore in That's that true. shot whatsoever, and I think it is is, is scarier than nearly any other sh- scene I've seen. You see him like convulsing on the floor, but there there actually isn't as much blood as you think there would be in this movie. And you don't see the sh- you don't see the blood spatter from the shot or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, so the, I I think this I think the the set design is fantastic. In the, in the family scene. It's, I think this is a movie that benefited from being low budget. Um, it did. It's so grimy. It's one of like a couple movies where you're watching these characters sweat and it makes you feel like uncomfortably hot too. Oh yeah. Well they also, so Toby Hooper filmed this scene, um, you know, Marilyn Burns is the last uh, victim. Mm-hmm. You know, though of course as everyone knows we're not giving anything away. She's the only one that survives. Yeah. In one of my favorite, other favorite scenes in film history, she's driving away at the truck at the end, and Leatherface is doing his chainsaw dance. Yeah, but, and even before that, that whole chase scene is epic and awesome. It is, it is. So, Toby Hooper made Marilyn Burns go through that scene over and over and over. She didn't, he didn't let them take breaks. Um, he made, he, the slap where they, she gets slapped is, it's really happening. He's telling the actress to slap her, like, harder and harder each time. Like, he... Her look of anguish in that scene is only part acting. Yeah. Part of it is really just how tough it was to actually get through that entire scene. So, uh... She's an awesome final girl. She is. She is. She's one of the one of the great originals, actually. She, I mean, she predates Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that scene where it's just, like, zooming further and further in on her, like, bloodshot eyes. And it's just like, oh, the tension. I feel it, too. I love it. And then she did so much. She also was in Eaten Alive. Um, for Toby Hooper a couple years later. So yeah, that's she did one some... of the ones I haven't seen. Yeah, ne- neither have I. But but she so she did a number of uh, let's see, Kiss Daddy Goodbye. She did a, a few different things um, in the horror realm, but not a whole lot of stuff either overall. I guess we should mention there is another family in this movie. It's her and her brother Franklin. Yep, 
Franklin. Franklin's one of the most annoying characters in film history. I was going to say, I just assume everybody who's ever watched this, like, immediately hated Franklin. He's so whiny and horrible, but I, I'm sure that's on purpose. Oh, yeah. He's the younger sibling that always wanted to hang out. And you never want him to, but your parents probably force you. They're like, no, bring Franklin along. You're like, damn <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> and there's this one point where he's just like, you didn't want me to come, did you? And it's like, nope, but here we are. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's like in high school, you know, after school, you're like, we were going to go out and, you know, smoke a joint with our friends. How do you know? <laughs> nope. Franklin has to come along, so I have to go get ice cream. Yeah. Oh, Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of the more interesting horror families that you're ever going to see on screen. Mm-hmm. And again, just continue, although the, the quality of the movies worsens as it goes on, the, the family aspect is actually uh, is picked up more and more. So. Oh, just really quick. The grandpa is so scary. He's still really scary. Yeah. Great makeup. <laughs> um, I guess he's only kept alive by the taste of blood. Yeah, he is almost all the way in the grave. Yeah. <laughs> But whenever you, you know, you mention human remains, he perks up a little bit. It's, yeah. Wow, it's such a, man. And that's, and, and about that, as you were talking about that scene, it just dwells, it sits there and hangs over everything like fog. Mm-hmm. It does not let you get away. That, that scene seems to go on forever and you start to feel like you're losing your mind yeah. as you watch that scene, which is, of course, exactly what they were trying to do. It's, it's incredibly effective. Yeah, definitely a classic for a good reason. Mm-hmm, that's right. Grimy and terrifying yep <laughs> but but as we said not as gory as you would think <laughs> no no the mark of great filmmaking is to make you think that you've seen what you haven't seen that's mm-hmm. what texas does censors at that time i actually just finished watching um or finished reading um the book that you shock value, shock value yes in, interesting part in fact i was reading a little bit about uh, texas Chainsaw massacre and the and the uh, critical backlash of course that ensued because no one's seen anything like that mm-hmm. critics were appalled yeah. Understandably. A lot of them, you know, mentioned, oh, it's the goriest film we've ever seen. So much. No, not really, actually. It's not a gory film. There's very little blood overall. I think it's just that it seems so senseless. Mm-hmm. The, this random, violent, crazy family. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, it's the, yeah, the images are so terrifying that whether there's blood or not, you're, you, you, you know, it, it has the same effect. And they marketed the whole thing like it's a true story. Yeah. And at the time, there was no internet. Who is to say? Right, right. Let's see, what's next? You want to do Tale of Two Sisters? Sure. Um, Carrie only got a chance to start it, but I love Tale of Two Sisters. It's I gorgeous s- so far. Yes, it's it's a beautiful movie. We're talking about how it's kind of it's kind of a gothic, like a Korean gothic horror movie, uh, mm-hmm. psychological. But it kind of reminds us both of Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden, or I should say it in reverse since it came out in 2003. Yeah, it's just got beautiful cinematography, and it's about these two sisters who are coming back from a long hospital stay. Back to this, as creepy as it could be, um, sort of of Victorian, but still Korean home. Yeah, but it has that... it, it has the expansiveness of what of a Victorian home. Mm-hmm. Um, they're staying with this sort of overbearing stepmother who they have more interaction with than their father. And it just seems like the tension between the three females just keeps escalating and escalating. The entire final act is a series of twists. And when I first saw it, I'm like, whoa, that is 
a lot. But now that I've watched it again, I'm like, this is so clever. It's so well done. I love everything about it. I think it's the way it's plotted is very precise and um, it's just great. I, I think it's a masterpiece. So far, I'm... I have no doubt that by the end of this film, I'll feel the same way. We'll talk about ne- uh, next episode. Um, I will definitely watch it by then because probably after this, I'm going right back home to watch to finish watching it. Um, the stepmom is a really interesting character so far because she is terrifying at times, but obviously, and again, I don't know the twist yet, but she is a tortured soul mm-hmm. who's being fed pills by her by her uh, husband. Yes. To I guess to kind of push down, sort of tranquilize her a little bit because she has, obviously, again, lots of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not get along with the two daughters, particularly with the oldest sister. And their interactions are, are pretty interesting. There's a lot of defiance and uh, mistrust. And again, you know, one, one of the great things about the beginning of this film, again, I'm only in the first hour, is that you really don't know why any of these things are happening. Yeah. Nothing has been told to me yet. I don't understand what happened to their mom, who is, you know, the beginning of the film is when the first thing you say, supposedly she is she is not around any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know why. You don't know why the stepmother is the way she is. You don't know why the father is so uh, just closed off from everything, refuses to talk. Even the, the older sister says that, you know, talks to her father and, and they have some issues, supposedly. So... Nothing is known, and yet you're just riveted to the screen the whole time. Yeah, so. you know that there's something extremely off, but I remember the first time I watched it before everything comes to light, <laughs> um, and, and it is a little confusing. It, it seems like, is it a haunted house? Is it a ghost story? Is this stepmother evil? Like, there are a lot of things that you, you don't understand, but it's just, it's very beautiful and compelling. Mm-hmm. So, and the score is beautiful, too. I kind of missed that the first time. Yeah, I can't wait to see more of that one. And uh, one of the other ones, actually, speaking of, um, Jiwoon Kim, is uh, I Saw the Devil. We'll have to talk yes. about that sometime. I definitely want to watch it so I can discuss that on this podcast with you. That's that's one of my one of my next ones. I saw the devil is amazing. I would definitely watch it again. And he's done some kind of fun things too. He did the good, the bad, and the weird more recently, which is great. That's a really fun film. He did the last stand, which both Carrie and I have seen, and <laughs> maybe not his strongest work. Arnold. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, it's got Arnold Schwarzenegger, Johnny Knoxville. So you know, you're you're um. You're coming in with low expectations on that one, you know. It's not bad. It's fun. It's yeah. a fun movie. Yeah, it's a good kind of throwaway action film. The cast, I mean, the casting surprisingly good. But when you look at a movie like Tale of Two Sisters, that's just so incredible. I, it's just it doesn't compare to. <laughs> I feel like that's a problem for a lot of directors, directors who come to America to oh. you know, to make a film. Asian directors for sure. Asian directors in particular, but I mean, it cuts across the board. I feel like every time they have to make a, a film within the Hollywood studio system, they end up slumming it because they don't get the creative control, I think, mm-hmm. that they are able to have in their home countries, the films they make, and they have to deal with, you know, the Hollywood rules, and so I think it waters down the best films from a lot of these great directors. 100%. You know? I remember even in the early uh, 90s, I was a huge John Woo fan. <laughs> I mean, Hard Boiled and... Um, uh, Better Tomorrow, one and two, and, and that's just the you know there's a bunch of them. But uh, I have to confess, I still love Hollywood John Woo. 
And now I love Face Off. I know it's a terrible film, but Face Off is one of the great 90s action films, in my opinion. I still love it. But, you know, when you go to stuff like Hard Target with Van Damme, his first American (laughs) film, I I watched part of it the other day, and I just had to sort of, uh, you know, I had to have a drink. I was... (laughs) I had to pour some scotch to get through it. It's terrible. Very uh, fun in a different way, but it really doesn't give you the scope of what John Woo's No, I mean, like, Broken Arrow is fun, but it's not good, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just, I, f- I feel like I wish Mission Impossible 2, not good. <laughs> fun, but not good, and so out of control and ridiculous. So, yeah, I just, I, I, um, I wish that... Uh, you know, uh, that again, Hollywood didn't just destroy these great film directors' films, American mm-hmm. films. Yeah. Uh, and then I did not get a chance to watch Parents. Okay. Um, but I want to see it. It's Randy Quaid. It looks like it's one of those suburban satire. It is. It's it's playing on, we were mentioning Mimi Rogers, if, she, if she's sort of uh, the 2000 incarnation of the 50s wife, well, um, you've, you've got Randy Quaid in this one and Mary Beth Hurt as the parents, the, the parents of the title. And it's... A coming-of-age story, also a commentary on yeah this the social life of a of your your typical American family in the fifties. Um, you know, there's there's the hint of um, just things going on. You know, there's there's that hint of uh, the Cold War in the background. Uh, the director's Bob Balaban, who's um, you've seen he's been like a hundred films or a hundred things. That sounds familiar, but I don't know him. He's a sort of a nebbish short guy with glasses and bald head, and he's been in just a billion things. If okay. you look up his filmography, you're like, you, you've, I'm sure you've seen, everyone's probably seen something that Bob Balaban's been in. And he's directed a lot of TV as well. He's kind of one of those sort of all-purpose uh, guys um, in Hollywood. But uh, this is one of the few horror films he directed. And it's one of his first uh, directorial um, efforts. I think it's 1989 is when it came out. Mm. I saw it when I was a kid, randomly. Um, I don't even remember how or why. I think a friend of mine had it on, you know, VHS back in the day. Um, Seems like the perfect time to watch it. Yeah, you're right, right. And it's really creepy. So, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you've got, there, there's some ties to that, I think, unintentionally, in that you've got a family. This kid starts to realize that his, there's something wrong with his family. Mm. They move a lot, first off, they're always moving to different places. And he's not really sure what they do. I mean, he knows what his dad does. His dad works, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those mom stays home and cooks all day. Dad goes out to work. But at the same time, mom's not really around a whole, mut, a whole lot. And so he starts to sense that things are just not quite right mm-hmm. with his parents. But also he's trying to navigate being, being a young kid, you know, new school um, and, and all the challenges of that, I, I, I actually, I think I identified with that a little bit because I moved around a lot as a kid too. So every time you move to a new school, you're having to sort of create this new group of friends and try to fit in and, you know, you're, you know, the, the, the unrequited love as a kid and all those things and dealing with all those. So I, maybe, maybe that's, uh, that, that felt, uh, or, you know, a little personal as well. But thankfully, my family is not, uh, my parents were not Randy Quaid and Mary Beth Hurt in this movie because they're insane. They're crazy. Um, I only watched the trailer. Is it a horror comedy? That's the impression I got. It but. is. It's a horror satire. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a satire of, those, of, of the 50s, but it, and it's mostly a suspense film. There's very little gore in it, but when it gets going near the end, it is creepy as hell. It really is. Because his parents are definitely up to some nefarious things. Should I, should I 
give it away? Spit it out, Carrie. Okay. All right, so... Are they killing people? They are definitely killing people. Okay. Oh, yeah. I figured, because they show definitely. a lot of meat. The trailer is yeah. this whole line, like, why do we always have leftovers or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, there's a lot of that going on. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's the... Uh, it's it's sort of the cannibalizing of the American dream is sort of you know what it's what it's talking about how the American dream is sort of falling in on itself because it's not a real thing it's this sort of mythic idea mm-hmm. or mythical idea from you know that was created in the fifties um, and uh, yeah but it's really good it's a very interesting film it's a, a psychological thriller I think as much as anything else I think because there's very little gore in the scenes where uh, where there are scenes of violence is very effective. Yeah, it's it's just a really interesting film. You're not going to see many films like it, um, and I, I like the sort of disconnected nature of the parents to the to the kid. You know, mm-hmm. there's almost a distrust and sort of a uh, the parents almost hold this kid and kind of look at him like, why is he here? You know, you get this this feeling that they just uh, they almost don't even want a child in a way. Well, I guess when you're a murderous couple, a kid kind of cramps your style. Really does, and so you poor kid, you know, not only trying to navigate his way around school, but he has parents who really don't seem to give a shit about him. So um, I mean, they do, but as the film goes on, you realize it's more it's all sort of a facade. That's kind of what the film is saying that all of that stuff in the it was all a facade. You know, everyone seemed to you know there were all these new inventions and. Um, you know, home improvement and things like that, and you're, uh, you know, post-World War II, yet underneath all that, mm-hmm. there were all the same issues and problems that were going on before. It's just that, you know, oh. there's this, there was this perception that you could gloss over it and it'd be fine. Yeah, well, I've got to see it. Yeah, 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 so there's parents. There's so now, there are, again, as we talked about before, a million family horror films. There are so many, just like high school or college or school horror. Mm-hmm. It's just a pretty common thing, I guess, because it's something we can all relate to. Totally. Almost all of us have families. Yep, that's right. I mean, so, you you know, we talked about Carrie and um, sort of the mother, the mother-daughter relationship, which is always a compelling mm-hmm. one, um, which you, which plays out really, really well in that film, Gender Snaps. It's again, mother and daughters. Oh, give me Mimi Rogers over Piper Laurie any day. <laughs> right? No, she's great. I mean, Piper Laurie's just straight up insane, like just wild, relig- you know, crazy pseudo religious mad mom. But yeah, Mimi Rogers keeps it controlled enough to where it's just uh, it's really even more effective. Um, Psycho, we were talking about. Yep, Psycho, kind it's of an ultimate. Yeah, I guess there are a lot of controlling moms, and there, uh, there are a lot. You either have controlling moms or murderous dads. I feel controlling like controlling moms, messed up kids. Yep, that's right. So yeah, you have the uh, sort of sort of the um, what the Stockholm syndrome. You've got the the mom who keeps the son there in the house, and you know he um, grows up with a sort of twisted view of women in general, mm-hmm. um, which Psycho. How many slasher films were born from that formula in Psycho? Oh, yeah. You know, Mother's Day. It's um, <laughs> Mother's Day. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not, not the new Mother's Day. Don't hate right? no. <laughs> this is the one from, like, 1980s. Oh, back. yeah. It's just like we were talking about earlier, like, sisters, but Brian De Palma, not Tina Fey. Yeah, you're going to be real disappointed if you rent either of the earlier versions of those films with the same name. Yeah, it's not, not the same. Well, disappointed if you're looking for something heartfelt. Right. If you're looking for something good, then yes, you want to rent the early ones. Um, but yeah, The Shining, that's a very isolated family. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, I just wrote down Poltergeist and 
I put down Insidious, it's not that I think it's one of the better family horror movies, but I am so fucking pumped for Insidious 4 and that key demon that I've been thinking about Insidious a little more lately. You've been talking about a lot? No, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I loved uh, the first one in particular. I liked the second one, and I actually liked the third one, I think, better than the second one in a way. Really? I did not like mm-hmm. the second, and I didn't know the third Insidious existed until I saw the trailer for four. <laughs> really? So you, yeah, you haven't seen three. Mm-mm. Okay. It's actually pretty good. I think, um, like I said, I think, I think it is better than, than the second one. There's some family horrors I still haven't seen yet either. I haven't seen Goodnight Mommy yet, and that came out forever ago. Goodnight Mommy is fantastic. Okay, I don't want to give anything away, but someone told me that it's very similar to a movie we've just discussed. Ah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, uh, I've heard that as well. Let's see, what are some other, some other great ones? Well, Go with Hills Have Eyes. The Wes Craven. Guys, another demented, terrifying family. It's a portrait of two families. <laughs> <laughs> one insane cannibals, one um, victims, basically. Yes. So you've got... You, you know. <laughs> Hills Have Eyes. That is still a really scary movie to me. Do you know like plenty of movies you see as a kid and you watch them later and they have like a, a nostalgic part of them where you enjoy them, but they don't really scare you, but The Hills Have Eyes is still pretty scary. It's really creepy. It's again, I, I think it's... It, it's creepy in the way the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. Mm-hmm. There's not much sense to it. Things just happen. Yes. There's not a lot of buildup. And it's, it's so, so when something does happen, it's, it, it really gets you. Yeah. And these aren't, um, these aren't killers you can reason with by any means. <laughs> no, no. I don't think they have the capacity to understand <laughs> reasoning. No. Um, but beyond that, they're just, yeah, they're just ruled by bloodlust. And that's, that's pretty much it. Just um, terrorist freaks. You know, it's funny. I, I I did a search for family horror films. I meant to. And of sort of, of course, it pulled up like a bunch of like PG and PG thirteen horror oh. films. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, obviously my my uh, I I didn't do that correctly. But it brought up a couple of their kind of interesting. Watcher in the Woods is when it brought up. Watcher in the Woods, the Disney movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Back when Disney was edgy. And it is scary, especially when you're a kid. I've not seen it as an adult, but it used to scare the hell out of me. It, yeah, absolutely. No, very very creepy. So yeah, hey, Get Out was a family horror film. Get Out was a family horror film and a great one. Oh. I when we put together like our favorite 2017 horror movies, it'll be hard because this has been an awesome year. It's been an awesome year so far. I we are a little backed up. I know I am personally mm-hmm. backed up on horror films from this year, but that's I mean, Get Out will obviously be on the list. Get Out. Oh, The Witch is a family movie in a sense. It's more about it is, the girl, but it's it's still a family movie. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's there's a lot. So in other words, we could fill up probably ten episodes of family films. I feel like we could just look up Stephen King adaptations and find like a shit ton of families in yes. there. Yes. Yeah. So. Agreed. But uh, well, I think that's uh, I, th- I think that's good for this week as far as the family films go. Yeah, there are a lot of good horror movies coming out. Hopefully, Carrie and I will catch some together. They are. So yeah, I mean, a couple of the things to look forward to. I know we were talking about Insidious. <laughs> well, I don't know if anybody else is excited about Insidious four, but. Um, yeah, Carrie's got to see it, so we'll talk about that probably next time. We're gotta both looking forward to Mother. Are you a fan of Aronofsky movies? I'm absolutely a fan of Aronofsky movies. I am not a fan of his movies. Interesting. <laughs> so that, well, we're going to see how this one goes then. I just think they're really heavy-handed. Like Requiem for a Dream, 
I've said this before, but I feel like it's a rated R after school special. Like, don't do drugs. No, really, don't do drugs. No, it's it's um it's a crazy film. I I like just the sheer audacity of his filmmaking. Mm. He's definitely heavy handed, but um I mean Black Swan just you know I don't d- like Natalie I know, Portman. I know, I <laughs> know, and see, I love me some Natalie Portman. Um, you can't help it; you're a straight white man. I know. What can I do? What can I do? I'm I'm, I'm bound by my uh my, no, she's, <laughs> my evolution. She's fine. I just have some weird prejudice against her. I liked The Wrestler. I mm-hmm. did not like The Fountain. Disliked it in a very extreme way. I have not seen The Fountain actually. Well, if you want to see. Hugh Jackman reincarnated in outer space with an ejaculating tree. That is what you will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Beguiled is one that we missed in June. Oh, shit. That yeah. I want to see. I want to see actually. that, too. Oh, um, going back to family horror, but not one that I would recommend. A Tale of Two Sisters was actually remade with a movie called The Uninvited. Oh, uh, okay, which yeah, I never saw. It's got yeah. like a... British actress in the lead and I think if I hadn't seen Tale of Two Sisters I would have liked it but because I had it just really pissed me off to see it at all. (laughs) American remakes of foreign films are usually awful. I mean nearly always. Yeah I mean if you're not going to totally make it your own and like hit it out of the park like the good the bad and the weird is a remake. But it rules. Right, because it does its own thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it completely, like, it, it, it takes an idea and fully embraces its own realization of that idea. And, and too many movies are a watered-down version of it. Mm-hmm. And they're not creative enough to cr- come up with their own. Like, even, even Tarantino has probably remade 8 million films in each of his films, but his vision is so different. Yes. That it's, it is, I mean, Inglourious Bastards is a remake. Of Inglorious Bastards, a 1978 film. Oh, that's right. They're completely different. I've never seen the original. I know it's not even a horror film, but I'm just, you know, just an example. Absolutely as different as they could be because he took that concept and the and the idea of it and created his entire own plot out of mm-hmm. it. So, but, um. So we're also excited, we're both excited about Mother. I was Can't suckered in Mother. when yep. I saw that James Jean poster art. He's one of my favorite living artists. Yes. I'm even excited about the remake of Flatliners, I won't lie. I, oh my god, I feel kind of annoyed every time I see the trailer, which is in front of most movies I've been watching. But I'll, I'll probably see that too. Love some Flatliners. You got some Ellen Page, Diego Luna, you know, oh, doing their Diego thing. Diego Luna! <laughs> yeah, doing their thing, and then a bunch of uh, up-and-coming actors and actresses um, in that one. I'm excited about Happy Death Day. Also coming out from Blumhouse. Yes, yes, um, yes. Killing of a Sacred Deer looks pretty good. It's the Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman. I can't remember. Is uh, it the director okay. who did The Lobster and Dogtooth? Maybe so. If it's not, it looks like it should be. So I haven't seen as much of that one. Um, Better Watch Out could be good. Home Invasion, so it's a family, but possibly Home Invasion going on. Um, looks like a lot of fun horror thriller. Oh, Carrie, I thought of one more movie I watched recently. Oh, what's that? So I watched Death Note. Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix now. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not hate it, and I thought the effects were very well done. It's very CG, but it looks good. Wingard directed it. Simon Barrett did not write it, which normally it's Wingard and Barrett working together. It's <laughs> it's just being slammed by everybody, but I did not watch the anime series. Right. So I was coming into it pretty fresh, I enjoy creepy Willem Dafoe, 
Um, I just really liked it. I thought it was okay. great. And it's it's a quick watch, too. It's quick and fun. I, I recommend it. Okay. All right. I will have to check that out. Oh, The Snowman. I forgot about that. <laughs> Two coming out in October the same weekend. Leatherface. Oh. Uh, yet another prequel. I don't even understand where we are in the pantheon of Texas Chainsaw Massacre prequels, but there we are. And um, and The Snowman come out the same weekend. The Snowman trailer makes me laugh, but I love it. How long did someone have to set up the snowman hoping someone's going to find a body in there? <laughs> I know. It's a lot of work. Uh, Fastbender's great. I'll, I'll see most things that Fastbender's in. Same. Jigsaw is coming out the following week. So October gives us a slew of horror films. I don't think Jigsaw's going to be good, but I will probably watch it. As will I. I haven't seen the last couple Saw movies, but Jigsaw looks pretty fun. And I watch a lot of garbage, so. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there's still a lot of good stuff to come out. And then, hey, if you want a mystery suspense, not quite a horror murder on the Orient Express, we're doing a remake of that. Hell no. I will never see that. I hate that it exists. I feel like it's a hodgepodge of people who've been thrown in like, oh, there's something for everybody in this one. But it's um, it's Kenneth Branagh again. It's got Michelle Pfeiffer, that white gold. Also, I feel like everybody knows the ending to that story. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Okay. But I kind of want to see all these. I mean, the cast is kind of fun. I want to see how they all kind of play off each other. Penelope Cruz, Willem Dafoe. That's what I mean. And Josh Gad, damn it. He's in it too. <laughs> what is he even doing there? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. No clue whatsoever. So, I don't know. I'm not really that into like all of Kenneth Branagh's projects. What do you mean? Johnny Depp's, uh, all the films he's done recently have been amazing. <laughs> Talk about a guy who started out with a great career. With I, great films. I was actually just talking about this with a coworker. Mm. There was like a time we were just like every Johnny Depp movie coming out probably going to be awesome. Yeah. And it's just been so ridden into the ground with just all these overly CG Tim Burton movies, which makes me sad because I love Tim Burton so much too, and I want him to be great. He also said, you know, Tim Burton did enough good films in the beginning of his career to cement his career as a, great, as a truly great director. Mm. However, in the last, say, his last, say, five or six, seven films, I just, had, it's, I just haven't really grabbed Might on. even go further back than that, but Might yeah. Might even go further back. You're right. He's done some of my favorite movies. His first four or five are all just gold. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah, so... Anyway, not to totally trash those people. I'm sure Agatha Christie reboots will be fine for plenty of people out there. <laughs> <laughs> but not this lady here. <laughs> not me. <laughs> All, right, All right, and I guess that's it for episode nine. Yep, thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon with episode ten. Episode ten! What? Dies is coming. So anyway, thanks to you all again. And um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And... Um, yeah, drop us a line sometime if you want to hear us talk about something. Yeah. And um, we'll see you soon. All right, bye. Bye.